0: Hello, everyone. This is Amita Switlow from QSO VSO West. I'm sitting in Victoria in lovely Oak Bay speaking with Lauren Lewis, who served in Botswana. Lauren, what year did you serve in Botswana?
1: It was between uh, the years 1972 and
0: 75. Interesting times. What were you doing in Canada before you went to Botswana?
1: Well, I was recruited to... Uh, uh, set up a training shop for mechanics in Botswana uh, in so they can service all their vehicles, rolling stock, all kinds.
0: So um, were you a mechanic here in Canada? Y- yes, I was. Always in Victoria?
1: Uh, well, no, I ended up here and I got a service station and then I had my own operation.
0: So you were a businessman? Uh, well, yeah businessman, mechanic. Yeah. And um, so you you go with your wife. What's your wife's name? Lil. Lil. So you and Lil head off to Botswana. Why would you want to do that?
1: Well, I, I, I was looking for something to do because I was sick and tired of Just going day to day, patching up the same old stuff. Uh, but anyway, the business was going well, and I sold it. Okay. And uh, I was sort of between jobs, you might say. And uh, so then I I started the Victoria Car Wash. Oh. The first mechanized car wash in uh, in Western Canada.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Oh my goodness.
1: And uh, then I got involved in the vending business. And at one time we had over two hundred machines.
0: Around around this area, yeah. wow! And, uh, so you are an innovator. And then
1: uh, I was an entrepreneur.
0: Yes, <laughs> an entrepreneur. <laughs>
1: Whatever. A risk taker. <laughs> you can say that. Again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because it, 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 things come and go, but I mean, first car wash. So you end up going to Botswana. What is the country like in 1972?
1: Well, uh, in 72, there were no paved roads. Okay. And? Uh, they did, uh, while we were there, they did start a paving program, and they were filling in a few of the uh, local uh, distances with, uh, with black talk. Give it some
0: and the government, what was that like? Was it new at the time?
1: Well, it was the British government, because it was... Uh, It was a British protectorate. Right. And uh, they wanted their independence, so uh, they were setting up uh, these organizations to uh, show them how to operate, uh, keep track of everything, and see that everything was done properly. Uh, But there was... uh, no training on the and everything it turned out to be just training on the job. So, and
0: so your skill set—you went there and you were able to uh, teach. Was it young people or middle-aged people?
1: Well, it was mostly the young ones. Young ones. But that was a mistake for a job like that.
0: Tell me why. Well, we uh, made lots of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was a mistake uh, because they had no foundation to build on. Okay.
0: You mean educational foundation?
1: Yeah. All right. And, and abilities. But, uh, they started from a very uh, low-level kindergarten. It took forever to get out of that. And, uh, you uh, made your major way up through the classes, but uh, even at the day, if you finish their their course, you you still were nowhere, you know, because you weren't high enough up the ladder to cope.
0: So, did you find um, native Botswanan people? Is am I saying Botswanan? No. Mm. Botswanian? Well, Botswanian people. Um. Very. Interested in mechanics, or were they? They, I mean, the car was pretty well all over the world at this point. So oh, there yeah. were cars all over there, right? Uh-huh. Were they mainly four-wheel drive vehicles there,
1: or well, there was a lot of four-wheel drive stuff, and, uh, but most of it was uh, pickups, light trucks, because uh, you could put about twenty bodies in the back. And,
0: Yes, and haul them somewhere. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? How many chickens, uh, uh, chickens, cows, goats can all fit on a on a truck, <laughs> and people, and yeah. people, and gro- and uh, um, uh, produce, etc. Yeah. So, were you teaching in a formal school or were you teaching in a technical school?
1: No, I. I well, I had uh, technical training from General Motors. Oh, okay. So was, uh, I, I wasn't a complete dummy.
0: No, you no, but I mean the the students you were teaching were they being ta- Were you teaching them in a technical school or in a in a garage situation or?
1: Well, in the in the public works department. Uh, oh. Okay. So place. Yeah, and a display area there. And
0: That's where he taught them. Um. So public works for the city or for the district, or do you remember the name of the town that you
1: worked in? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very well. Yeah, tell me. Uh, maybe I got a map.
0: Yeah, we'll go grab a map of Botswana. <laughs>
1: I had that file.
0: Oh, great. You kept a file of your stuff? Oh, cool. We'll be back shortly as we look through our documents and learn more about Botswana from Mr. Lewis. Hi, this is Amida Switlow. I'm sitting with Lauren uh, Lewis in Victoria, and um, he's pulled out some great documents. So... This is one written by Helmut Kuhn, director of Kyuso, Botswana. So Mr. Kuhn writes to Mr. Lewis, Well, so much for the job. Something about Mahalapi. Mahalapi is a traditional Botswanan village. I'm not sure of its population, but perhaps 10 or 15,000. which which distinguishes a village from a town in Botswana. is not size, rather a town is more or less urban and more, whereas a village is rural and traditional. As such, there is little in the way of modern housing, and shops are few. While some of the people who live in Malapie have paid employment there, Undoubtedly, the large majority have lands and a cattle post, which means that a significant number of the males spend quite a lot of the year at the cattle post during the ploughing, planting, weeding and harvesting season. Many of the women and men are at their lands. Malapi is a major railway station along the line of rail from Gaborone to Francistown and has a number of officials of the railway stationed here. As the railway is Rhodesian railways, many of these staff are Rhodesian whites, who are not in tune with the Botswana status as a free black state. Interesting. You will probably find that social pressures will be strong towards association almost entirely with whites. On the other hand, there are some fine people there who can probably help you find an orientation that will be comfortably and happily interracial. Your accommodation will be fairly comfortable, modern house and basic furniture will be provided. Pretty well all the necessities to make up for the other household needs, needs are purchased in Malape or in Gaboron. So you know it's really interesting that um this letter kind of talks about a little bit about apartheid and discrimination and he's saying to you that he would like you to have an interracial um uh group of friends so how did that work did you did you um have black friends as well as white friends there oh, sure yeah sure. yeah
1: when it comes to color I'm colorblind blind doesn't mean a thing to me. And I'm amazed as so, so cold, civilized people can behave in such a ghastly manner.
0: Appalling ways right? to each yeah. other yeah. and to the planet but as But then well. you
1: got to, on the other hand, uh, they're not, far, not very far up the ladder as uh, an example. Uh, I don't know if I told you about this one or not, Lorraine, but uh, I, I bought a little pickup there. And uh, I went to St. to pick up a refrigerator. If you, if you don't have a free refrigerator, you're all fuzzed up with mold.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuzzed up with mold,
1: yeah. But, uh. uh I got this, uh, uh, I bought it from a store down there, and I loaded it on the pickup, and I came back. So while I was gone, it was on the Friday that I left, and apparently Friday night, there was a, a ruckus started in the house. A lot of the banging and crashing of the, everything, and it scared the hell out of it. The, the, the locals, the locals, and they—they uh, <laughs> uh, they wanted to know what was going on in there. Well, nobody would go near the place, uh, and uh, because there are evil spirits in there.
0: Oh, there's a lot of that belief there, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's where that's where you begin over there. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, just uh, evil spirits uh, kept them away. They the, the tore up and down, the, and several attempts were made to try uh, and open the door to see what was going on. In <laughs> but it didn't get very soon as they started uh, coming close. There was a big hullabaloo.
0: <laughs> it was all you.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't me. Was it? Wasn't? No, I wasn't.
0: Uh, I'm going to take another moment to um, uh, read a, a piece. Uh,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll just you, tell the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Whatever happened to the... Uh, mm-hmm. The evil spirit?
0: Evil spirits.
1: Yeah, evil spirits. That's
0: Whatever happened?
1: <laughs> well, when I came back, I, I come back in the evening, and I opened the gate and came in and drove in and uh i see all these people gathered around and i wonder what in the world is going on because my house back to the, the house i was living in so it wasn't my house but uh, it was uh, backed up against the, the native quarters the little dei huts so it like you see on that
0: on the. photograph on the- uh, on that brochure.
1: Well, you, you, you know, oh, those, got, yeah. Yeah, that type of housing. Yes. That was a housing of up Pepper. But uh, anyway, they were all gathered around there, and there was a, wasn't much noise going on. Uh, I, I got the story from them as to what was going on. And, uh, they, uh... They they, they said, well, so he has got to go in there, and nobody would touch it, but that would fool
0: They send you in there?
1: <laughs> so here, here's, here's Roy Lewis, the big head, and, and white man, you know, he's going to... And uh, he said, he, he's, he's going to fix go in,
0: it. Go in there and fix it. <laughs> well, what would you do? Me? I would, would hang you, out would with. Would the you
1: put the key in the door and open it? Yeah. You would.
0: Yeah. What did you do?
1: I put the key in the door and opened it. And what was in there? <laughs> a great big owl.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the big bad spirit was a big owl. <laughs> a big owl. Wow.
1: And he was a big one. Wow. But he got, he got to, <laughs> stuck on the chimney.
0: Oh. He, he,
1: there was no baffles or anything in the chimney.
0: So he came down down. like Santa, but couldn't make his way out. (laughs) And the big white buona went in there and saved the day. (laughs) That's a great story. So I just wanted to read a piece here from the Toronto Sun, and it is a letter from you. And it's um, written by Peter Worthington. The closest many of the people in the underdeveloped world come to Canada is through CUSO, Canadian University Services Overseas. In 1961, there were 17 CUSO workers. Today, there are over 1,300 in some 40 countries, ostensibly trying to improve the lot of people. But CUSO has steadily drifted into ideology, perhaps adopting the coloring of Canadian International Development Agency, SIDA, that finances it. Ooh, this is co- contentious. Back in January, CUSO ran into unwanted headlines when volunteers with SUCO, the Quebec version of CUSO, were expelled from Malagasy, formerly Madagascar, for dabbling in internal politics and thus constituting a security risk to that country. CUSO seems to have made the liberation of South Africa a sort of ideological holy war, even if it means supporting terrorism. A while back, something called Lusaka Resolution 20 prompted considerable controversy within CUSO ranks. It, it proclaimed that CUSO aims should be to work with the victims of exploitation in support of the efforts both to become both self-reliant and to transform the present inequitable system, to pursue an active role in the education of itself and of Canadian people and government concerning our complicity in sustaining such inequalities, to develop both in Canada and overseas a conscience consciousness of community among people based on freedom, <coughs> justice, <coughs> and equality. <coughs> Bearing in mind all CUSA volunteers seek to assist the native people in Africa, this too, ra- this was too radical for many. Lauren Lewis, who I'm speaking with today, a CUSA volunteer in Botswana, which the CUSA publication Unity describes as one of South African's three captive enclave states, has written a letter to External Affairs Minister Sharp, objecting to the government's policy of supporting terrorism in the name of liberation. Slightly abridged, here are one volunteer's views from the field. I hope you don't mind, Mr. Lewis, if I read this.
1: Well, I don't want to use it something like that used for any ulterior motives.
0: No, yes. So, no, it's no ulterior motive. We just want to get part of the history because this is part of the history of what happened. Well, that's what it is. There we go. As a QSA volunteer currently completing a term in Botswana, I view with alarm the present government policy of support for terrorists, terrorists in South Africa. Citizens of Canada are receiving a very distorted view of the actual situation and as a result being called on in, on to finance projects not in the common interest. The main voices screaming for liberation and support of so-called liberation movements are not necessarily those of the people supposedly being liberated. Only this month three of the South African homeland chiefs expressed opposition to the aims. Of terrorists and pledged full support to fight against terrorism. In a radio interview, April third, Chief Minister of Obama, Chief Fileman Elifias told his people tribal authorities in the homeland had voluntarily donated thirty thousand. What's r rubles? No, a uh, uh, rand, rand, thirty thousand rand to combat communism and terrorism. He went on to say, as a Christian people, we think of the cruelty, suffering, and misery caused by terrorism action. We think of the men and women and and innocent children who are being murdered on the borders borders of South Africa. So it goes on to talk about this activity. If we retain any remnant of intellectual sanity, we will not become a party to support of forces dedicated to our own destruction, masquerading as liberators of mankind. Your Department's record today displays very little concern for the principles, and it seems motivated more by political expediency than conviction. We would hope that future generations of Canadians could be proud that our government had no part in the attempt to turn southern Africa into another Vietnam. Thank you. That's well written, and appeared on Thursday, May 23rd in 1974 in the Toronto Sun. So Mr. Lewis, after all those years, um, having served in Africa with CUSO, uh, what would you, because you keep quite in touch with current affairs, what do you think of what's going on in Africa today? I I think
1: it's terrible.
0: What part's terrible?
1: Well, uh, this business of uh, tribalism—yes, that's the curse of Africa.
0: It's the difficulty, yeah.
1: But that is the crux of the whole thing. And until you get uh, that under control, uh, it's not the guy with the biggest army that gets to to participate in in the spoils of war. Yes. Because every time. you know, a classic example of, was the one where they were invited to, the native people were invited to uh, support the cause. They were, at the time, there was a gasoline rationing and they were trying, going to put another tax in order, shortage, fake shortage to make things. Uh, ah.
0: Yes, to put increase the, the price.
1: Put the pressure on uh, the other people or the people they're associated with to raise the price and, of course, to cover their costs and make them a dollar in and, uh, and doing so. But, uh, there was uh, nothing I ever mentioned about, the, about that and uh, the, the, the tribal people don't, don't know what's going on. As far as the government is concerned, because the the, the business people, not, they have no, no connection there at all with the with these socialists mm-hmm. that are trying to tear down the country. That they're financing all this crap that's going on.
0: There's a lot of that going on, and I think one of the things that in Canada and around the world, if people were to be what you would call what you mentioned earlier colorblind in that pluralistic societies where people like you and me can sit together and have a chat and learn about each other we were we're less apt to be aggressive towards each other because we understand that you and me were human beings and i think in your letters i think that's what you're trying to say what you are saying is that we're all people and uh, I see, violence I is... Do see
1: anything there where I might be uh, uh, accused of... Uh,
0: <laughs> Cusa dabbled with things in the past. Doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> so on behalf, I think I just want to say on behalf of everyone, we'd like to thank you for being one of the 15,000 volunteers that served overseas. In Botswana, and to be one of those that contributed over 35 million hours of service to QSO VSO. we'll never forget you, and thank you for your service. Well, thank
1: you very much. <laughs> it's just nice to know that you were. Here.
0: You remembered. So
1: your, 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 your records show that I was there. I participated.
0: Yes. Our records show that our fiftieth website will be up soon, and uh, people will be able to share stories. And um, for all of you um, that that may have met Lauren in the past, um, he says hi. <laughs> and those that worked with him in Q, so we've seen some of your letters. He's kept everything. So uh, thank you for sharing all that, Mr. Lewis. And s- stay, uh, stay going. You're a going concern. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.